0: Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC.
1: Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Table. My name is Jackie King, and it is another conversation of women and leadership and how we're serving in the SBC. Today, I get to invite on one of my friends that I have like followed for goodness, I don't know how many years. I think she is one of the leading women in our denomination and in women's ministry. And so I get to welcome to the show today, Miss Chris Adams. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today.
2: I am so excited to get to be with you and very uh, honored that you would ask me to.
1: You have so much, I think, to offer to us um, along the way. And so I'm really excited just to dig into this conversation and pick your brain a bit on leadership and women's ministry. But let's get started a little bit with, um, just tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? How did you get into the SBC? Just a little bit of your story.
2: Okay, well, I grew up... uh, a lot of places, but by the time I was in fifth grade, we settled in Houston, Texas. So Texas would have been basically my home until we came to Tennessee for for my my work at LifeWay. I I still consider Texas home. My dad was not a believer. My mom was, and she took us to church, and she took us to a Baptist church. So that Mm -hmm. was my beginning in Southern Baptist world, and have never left it. Uh, Just you know, I've I've been in other churches occasionally. Uh, I don't mind speaking in other churches uh, for sure in other denominations, but my heart's in the the Southern Baptist Convention. uh, All you know, in all these years. So uh, that's kind of that that background, I'm married to my husband, Pat. We've been married 48 years now. Uh, mm-hmm. We have grown twin daughters and uh, lots of grandkids. Uh, step, steps and halves, and bios and all of that together. Uh, we also are just recently the new great-grandparents of the most beautiful baby boy that ever existed, I do oh, believe. Congratulations. So that's kind of our personal personal journey. Um, I was women's ministry specialist at LifeWay for 22 years, uh, had the joy of getting to uh, come and figure out what does this look like on a denominational level. Mm-hmm. Uh, since retiring in 2017, um, I continue to, to get to speak in uh, to women's groups when, when I have that opportunity, but I'm much more, um, even involved now in my church than I was before, just because I'm home more. Uh, so I love getting to, uh, teach, uh, in my own church, which is long hollow church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just North of Nashville. Um, where I teach a women's life group on Sunday morning. I have a d-group on Monday night of young single girls. Uh, my husband and I are in a life group on Wednesday night, and I'm on the women's ministry team, and just various things I get to do uh, at my church. So that's that's a little bit about that. I, I was back in Texas on church staff when I got a call to come to LifeWay. So I was serving in, in the area of women's ministry and missions education there. Um, and then got a call to come to Lifeway in yeah
1: na- so 1994 let's- Let's go back to that. Cause I'm really okay. curious. What did it look like for you? Like, how did you get into women's ministry and the local church? Um, kind of rewind a bit to like, okay. how did you start kind of stepping into that role? And really when you were stepping in, there wasn't a ton of like what we would call, you know, air quotes, um, women's ministry. Like you really no, kind of wasn't. were one of those that set the groundwork for what we would call women in ministry today. Um, so let's kind of go back and then move okay. forward. What did that look like? What did that call on you? your life look like? Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Uh, I would say the call was the most unlikely thing in my entire life because (laughs) I did not grow up with this vision of I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to be in vocational ministry and I'm going to never in a million years. My, My purpose and plan in life as I graduated high school and entered college was to get married and have children. I could not wait to become a mom. Never had any real career plans outside of that. Um, so, you know, fast forward to uh, the, the journeys of infertility and adoption and all of that. And we, we now have children. Um, and and I found myself in this place. But it began really back before we ever had children. We were fairly newlyweds. And my pastor's wife said, would you please teach mission friends with me? And I went, mm-hmm. Uh, I knew what Mission Friends was, but I said, you think I can do that? I mean, I'd never done anything like that. I'd never really (laughs) served as an adult in church. And that precious pastor's wife taught me how to teach a children's missions education class. And from there, I was asked to eventually be president over what, what we had in church back then, Baptist Young Women. I had no clue how to do that. And I said the same thing. Do you think I can do that? and uh began that journey when we were we moved from this little town where we were back to tyler texas where my husband was uh, uh, a state trooper so we left before i really got into that so when i joined the church in tyler texas um i said Where's Mission Friends? Well, I want to teach Mission Friends because that's all I knew really to do, Mm -hmm. Uh, and eventually was asked to become divisional director over the missions education children's organizations. uh, And I did that. Uh, And then from there, I'm kind of one of those, nothing is ever good enough. Let's make it better. And so Mm -hmm. we began to add the teenage organization, and then I'm like, how come we have nothing for women? And yeah. at that point, the only really things we had for women um, were a couple of Bible studies, but they were not they were loosely organized. I was in the mom 's young mom 's Bible study, and it was absolutely essential as I became the mother of twin little girls uh, who when we got them were ten months old and i needed I thought I knew how to do this thing till I had kids and <laughs> i 'm like, "Oh my gosh, I need help, and we were really <laughs> wanting to be godly moms and wives. And that was, that was kind of my first experience with what I would call today women's ministry, but we had mm-hmm. no clue that's what that was sure. back then. And from there, it just kind of went from there to being in Bible study fellowship, uh, which began to teach us as women how to do inductive Bible study, which we'd never been taught before. Mm-hmm. And I went back to my church thinking, I want other women involved in this. I, wa- I want to see us grow and, you know, those kinds of things. And so... I went back and just began to pray and say, okay, what can we do? And we tried all kinds of things. We tried the traditional women's work in the church, but it was not working for our women. And about that time, we started hearing the words women's ministry. Now, this was back in the eighties. So a long time ago, we had never heard that t- terminology. But we were intrigued because it sounded like something that would work as a, a broader ministry with women in and through the church. And so we tried to find some churches that were doing some things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we brought back the, the few churches we could find. We brought back and began to pray over that and say, Lord, how can we do this? And of course, by then I was part time staff, uh, very part time. But uh, it began to grow. The ministry became multifaceted. Women were 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 growing in their walk with the Lord and serving the Lord. And um, all of a sudden, it was overwhelming. And eventually, my my position became a full-time position. And I was in that position a couple of years before I got the call from Lifeway. So again, my call was not something that happened like overnight. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like this enlightenment I had from the Lord, you know, one day when he said, this is what I've called you to do. But the more i was involved in in growing myself and watching and helping other women to grow as disciples i my heart felt pulled felt pulled more and more toward women and I, I really at the end of my tenure at my church in tyler um i was just lord i want my full time to be on women i just feel that you know and lo and behold i get a call from what was then the Baptist Sunday School Board uh, by somebody <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. know asking me if I would consider or, or no, he asked me if I would pray about a position at Lifeway that I did not know existed. Uh, it was a new position they had created full time in Nashville uh, called, and that at that time it was called the Women's Enrichment Ministry Specialist because okay. it was trying to, to um, set that apart from women's mission so that we weren't trying to do what was already being done. Mm-hmm. You know, through Woman's Missionary Union, we were trying right. we were, we were trying to add this other side of it uh, that was more on the uh, discipleship and spiritual growth and Bible studies and and ministry and serving and all those kind of things as well. Which I know there's a crossover between the two, but but that was the title of it. And I just I I literally almost fell out of the chair in my office that day when I got that call, and I just said, "Well, before I even agree to pray about it, I need for you to understand." where I am educationally, you know, cause I didn't have the credentials to do this. I knew that. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, I know that's the end of it and that's fine. I'd never pull him to leave Green Acres Church in Tyler, Texas, you know? Right. But he said, his next words were, I already know. Will you and your husband pray about coming for an interview? Hmm. Well, it's a little, It's kind of hard to say no to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I'm not going to pray. You're not. out of excuses. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> now you need to pray. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, about that time, a former supervisor at my church came in who was a, I mean, he was the kind that built leaders. He pushed you out on that limb and he said, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And he, that's the only reason I ever stood on a platform was because of him um, to do anything at my church. but. Uh, I just looked at him and I said, you are not going to believe this call I just got. And his response was not to laugh like I was, but to say, you need to check this out. Oh, that's <laughs> so big, yeah. I went home and said to my husband, you're not going to believe it. I was still kind of humorous, to, humored about all of this. I'm just like, you're not going to believe this. Mm-hmm. And my husband looked at me and said, God has been preparing you for 10 years. We have to pray about it. And mm-hmm. I just looked at him and said, you've got you don't think so. But as we began to pray, uh, the Lord moved. He showed us very clearly. And it was almost like my heart's desire to serve women full time became a reality in that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I can't say that it happened quickly. It was just over years, I was drawn more and more to wanting to help women because I had worked through some really painful things and watched God work. I wanted other women to know how to do that and how to grow deeper in the Lord and how to serve the Lord. Uh, they miss so much if they don't take what God's doing in their life and then use it to, to minister to someone else. Uh, so that, that was sort of my accidental fall into ministry as a vocation. <laughs> of course, I, I'm saying that jokingly, because I sure. know without a doubt, God has orchestrated every step. Absolutely. Uh, From the beginning to the end. But uh, I'm just glad he didn't show me the end at the beginning because I'm afraid (laughs) I would have run the other direction. Yeah, right.
1: Don't we all? (laughs) Absolutely. Putting myself in your shoes, like, I'm wondering was there a part to where you just felt underdeveloped, you know, and I think the education thing and that element Mm. is obviously really big. Um, But I know even just in my own life of just stepping into the next step of just feeling like I am not ready for this. I'm not equipped for this. Um, And so is that something obviously that was kind of back then, Mm. but something that you've struggled with all along? Um, How have you kind of worked through that?
2: Truly, uh, I still to this day stand in awe of, Mm. of God using just normal people like us uh, to serve him. But yes, when I went to Lifeway, I stood in my office looking out the window going, God, are you sure this was what you, I I do not feel qualified Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. I'd never worked in my state. I mean, I'd done some conferences with our state convention and our association, but I'd never served on any kind of denominational staff of any kind. I, I just felt totally out of my element. But I stood on a a verse that the Lord had given me the first time I went on an international mission trip and felt so unqualified to be there and to be doing that. And it's Ephesians 2.10, which says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, and as I claim that every day, I had to just believe I wasn't here by accident. God had gone ahead of me; He had planned it, and He would help me do whatever it was He wanted me to do. He would He would equip me, even if I felt less than equipped as he was asking me to step into the water like the priest did at the Jordan River. It's just like, yeah, step good. in and I'll open the waters and show you how to do it. Now, of course, you know, lots of lots of trial and error on the church level when I was serving there and at Lifeway as well. Uh, but I just watched God do so much more than I could have ever done yeah. uh, and bring others around to help do that, uh, you know, e- even outside of LifeWay that helped train women. We didn't have women's ministry training back then. Right. There was <laughs> nothing existed. There were no seminary classes for women in leadership like that, especially in how to develop a ministry for women in the church. That just did not exist. Hmm. So for what we were doing at LifeWay, there really wasn't anything to help us get there much except our own walk with the Lord and, and trusting Him to to lead us in how to, to reach and disciple women for Christ.
1: Mm. I think that's such a good encouragement for everybody, because I know for me, and even just other women's ministers and leadership that I've talked to, is just that really having to fight that inadequacy and that feeling like, what am I doing, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I think, you know, we're in a space and in a time to where we have so many resources at our fingertips, mm-hmm. whether you go – um. And do an actual professional, you know, like um, training through the seminary or something like that. But then we also have all of these other things, much in part to your work and just kind of laying the groundwork that um, are at our fingertips for free, that we could get that development yeah. and yeah. those resources and stuff. And so if you're battling through, I think a lot of what a lot of women battle through and just that, what am I doing? I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep going. And I think, yeah. and I love how you just bring it back to ultimately, we've got to trust the Lord in what we're doing yeah, in our work and that he is going to work through willing vessels. Um, And I love that imagery of the priest, you know, that you just need to take the step and then he Mm -hmm. is going to do the rest. And so I think that's a good reminder for all of us. So I'm a little change. That doesn't
2: change. I mean, I don't care how long you're in ministry, you're still going to feel inadequate. (laughs) Mm, I mean, you'll feel more prepared in some ways, but then God starts stretching your your borders Mm -hmm. and says, "Okay, now I want you to head this way. And yeah. it, it's going to look different, and it's going to. You're again. It, and again, we. That's where we need to be in serving the Lord. If we're yeah. not dependent on Him, then we become. It's all about us. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think um, there was a conversation I was having with one of our um, members. She's on my women's ministry team, and she was talking about an experience that she had in the corporate world and um, just kind of asking, like, when have you failed? And her answer was Mm -hmm. like, I honestly haven't lately, you know, (laughs) and um, his response to her graciously was, then that tells me that you're not stepping out, you know, like you're not stretching yourself. And I took that to mean, okay, Jackie, where are you comfortable Mm -hmm. in your ministry, in your leadership? Because I think there's also that that tendency for us to really kind of sit where we know we're okay and we're comfortable yeah. and things are jiving and we're not operating in faith. We're not operating Absolutely. in areas where God can move forward and, yes. and stuff like that. So I, I miss think it's those a good word. I
2: miss those stretches yes. when I yes. get to that point because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm too settled in.
1: Yeah. 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 That's good. Okay, so tell me, because I would imagine it would be pretty daunting to go from a local church, which obviously operates one way, to Lifeway, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and not only just the size and the vastness with it, um, but then even just it's different. You know, it's more of a it's business a corporate kind of business. It although is corporate. it's a
2: nonprofit ministry, but, right. but it is a business too. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. So can you talk to us a little bit about looking back? What were some of those really hard challenges that Maybe you weren't expecting, or that just kind of you had to work through. And how did you work through those challenges? What did that look like? I think the first thing
2: was, um, and, and I remember someone saying to me, Keep in mind, when you speak now, you speak your life way. That was mm. daunting to me because yeah. I mean, it just made me think, Oh my goodness, what I say is going to reflect back on, on life way. And I, I do want to be careful, but it in one way, it's a little stifling, but in another way, it, it causes you to think before you just say something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge learning curve for me. The whole corporate thing was a huge learning thing for me because I, I, I'm... I felt my heart's on the ministry side, although I know you have to have the business side to do the ministry side. Sure. So anything that was all about the budgets and all of that was just like I'd want to tune that out. So, you know, and I had to learn because I had budgets I had to work with in doing events and things like that, you know, so it's it's all one big thing. But that was a huge learning curve as well. And just leaving my my city that we'd lived in and grazed our kids in was a, mm. a big transition. Uh, But I had such a great team that I was a part of when I first got to Lifeway that was like a family uh, that just was a a support system that really was helpful.
1: Um, so were there times, I mean, 22 years, I think is what you said of being at Lifeway. Um, were there seasons to where you maybe felt like I'm tired, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any more to give. Um, I really want to kind of highlight just your faithfulness because as I look at you and as I've followed you over goodness, um, several years, lots of years, um, a decade, probably, um, I think that you are just one of those steady voices and those steady leaders that we have that have gone before us that have served well. And obviously, if you're in leadership for like a hot two minutes, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs. And there's those moments where you just want to throw in the towel. Um, so what has kind of been your key to continuing to serve faithfully, maybe in some of those moments and seasons to where you felt like I'm done, I can't do this anymore? What did that look like for you?
2: Uh, in, in general, my walk with the Lord had to be a number one. And, and there were different seasons where I did better at that than others, but I came to find that, that that was a non-negotiable, that my time with the Lord every day had to be non-negotiable or I could not I could not finish a race. The second thing I would say is there when I went into serving at Lifeway, I had come from this place of I can't believe I get to do this. Hmm. i can't believe i get to serve the lord i can't believe i get to do women's ministry full-time now at this place called the baptist sunday school board i can't believe i get to do this and get a paycheck for it i just yeah. that was kind of how i'd always been about ministry because I, like i said i did not i did not seek a vocation in ministry i just didn't even know that would exist in my life so I think the when I went through a season I was there about 7 or 8 years when I went through a season of I'm done. <laughs> you know, I think mm-hmm. God, you brought me here. If you're done with me, take me out of here. I don't care mm-hmm. what, I don't know what you want me to do, but but I you know, I just I'm ready for the next thing. And and we just had been through lots of changes that, which of course is a part of of an organization like that. You always have reorganizations and changes and all of that. But the team I had been on just really got kind of blown apart and so a lot of people were in a, a real difficult position at that point. Um, we all had to reapply for our jobs and I mean, it was just a weird mm, kind of thing yeah. that we, we faced at that point. And uh, I just thought, okay, I'm applying for one, one job only. And, uh, you know, because if if that's not the job I have here, then obviously God's done with me. Um, I did obviously get that job back, uh, kept that job, but, it was almost impossible to get the work done. I had no help. There was no even support. There was a lot of distractions of you need to do this and go here and do that. And I thought, that's not what God called me here to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was ready and, and praying for the Lord to let me leave. And so f- for about the first year after the reorganization, I just decided I'm not going to get disgruntled like the majority of all, the rest of the people around me are. I'm going mm, to, because I'm good. a pretty yeah. optimistic person. Yeah. I, You know, I'm happy. I smile a lot. And, after about a year of that, I found myself just like everybody else around me. I would, I would say, okay, now today I'm not going to do that. But I would get there, and it was just a low point. Mm-hmm. So I began praying, Lord, show me. I'm ready to leave, but show me what to do. And so every day for a while, that was my my kind of you know daily prayer was, I need an answer. Give me an answer. And one day the Lord just said to me, Okay, you are you are focused on one thing. You're focused on an answer, but you're not focused on me and your relationship with me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it hit me between the eyes. And I thought, Oh, my gosh, (laughs) the Lord is so right. Um, And so I my heart changed at that point to say, God, as long as you're leaving me here, teach me what you need for me to learn until you're ready for my next assignment. Show me what I need to do while I'm here, how I can learn to be to know you better and love you more in the midst of all of this. So I still eventually had to have some sort of indication of what he wanted me to do for the future. But at the same time, I my focus changed, my perspective changed. It was more mm-hmm. about how do I know the Lord better in this than mm-hmm. give me an answer. Yeah, And, you know, eventually the Lord just made it very clear I was not to leave. And I had come almost to the edge of coming to, to a resignation, mm-hmm. but he would not let me step across that line. And I look back and I think, oh my gosh, if I had not listened to him and had left, number one, I have no idea how I would have made a living, which brought us to light to Nashville in the first place. Mm-hmm. But second of all, I look at the fruit that has happened since then. I look at the blessings God has given me since then. And I just think I could have never retired like I retired had I said no too soon. Yeah. Uh, to to that position and I just um, sometimes there are what one thing that helped me in that was something a, a guy said in one of our meetings everybody was kind of struggling and he said you know and he was much older and wiser than me he said we God does not always call us to be fulfilled but he calls us to be faithful and mm-hmm. I remember going to his office afterwards and saying, I need to understand what you mean by that. Because because my, my work had always been so fulfilling and surprising to me and couldn't believe I got to do it. Um, I'd never experienced that kind of, of season of not feeling fulfilled. In. And he said... Ultimately, you will be fulfilled in serving the Lord, but there's going to be seasons when it's really going to be hard and he's going to call you to be faithful in the middle of them. And yeah. that just really was sort of that helped with my turning point in my perspective at that point was mm-hmm. just to stop looking at the fu- being fulfilled all the time into how can I be faithful in the midst of it? Um, yeah,
1: that so is a it, good word. <laughs> stick
2: with it. Don't give up too soon. Now, if he tells you uh, to leave, do it. But if yeah. he does not... Go back to what he told you last that you know he told you to do and just trust him Mm -hmm. in the midst of it.
1: Yeah, I'm really, um, challenged by this because I think all of us have parts of our ministries, of our jobs to where there's not a lot of fulfillment, you know? Um, like executing mm-hmm. events for me is just not yeah. super awesome. Yeah. Um, like Bible study, you know, those kind of things. And so I think it's really wise for us to listen to Chris here and <laughs> think through that we have really been, um, wired in a certain way, we've been passionate in a certain way, like our stories have all kind of collected. And there are these things that really push us and fulfill us. But then there's also going to be parts to where it's just not it's, it's doing the job. And I think it's kind of painted out there, um, especially maybe with my generation, like younger generations, you know, that every moment is purpose-filled, you know, and like, you're just supposed to love it and run forward and all of that. And like, there are going to be days where you're behind a computer and you're not getting to do things that you want to do, you know, and you're doing the tedious. Um, and so I think that's a really good encouragement from you. Yeah.
2: And the other part of it makes it worth it. You know, there Mm -hmm. was so much of the office work that I did not enjoy and, but you put me out there with the leaders talking to leaders, training leaders, encouraging them, um, or even just speaking to women in general. And that's so much as I felt ill-equipped even to do that. it so filled me up with energy that I could go until I would get on the plane and go home. And then mm-hmm. I would, you know, crash. But but it was like, this is why I do what I have to do back in, in you know, in the Nashville area with my own office and all of that. It, it really helps. Enjoy those parts of it that are mm-hmm. what you what refresh you and fill you up, even if they're exhausting, which they are, but you mm-hmm. still are energized by them because that's what will help you then go back and get the other nitty gritty work that, that doesn't fill you up so much, uh, does not energize you quite as much, but it, it's, you can't do the other if you don't get that part done. So
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um even just the encouragement that you gave, that there are just, there are going to be seasons, you know, not even just the menial tasks that you don't want to do or the things that don't fulfill you, but there are going to be seasons within your leadership that are just not fun. Um that And is, the yes. wilderness seasons is kind of what Josh and I call them. And you're yes. going to, those are going to be development. Those are going to be learning yeah. what manna is from God, you know, yes. and like, there's not a lot of life yeah. around you. There's not a lot of fulfillment in that. Um, But you are learning to daily depend on the Lord and His that's presence right. and His work. And so um I think that's just really practical because I know a lot of conversations that I've had with women, even as this network has started up, is just, I'm tired, I'm dry, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Um And so just that encouragement to keep seeking out that manna each morning, keep being Amen, with the Lord yes. and listening and following, um, I think is just really, really good advice for us. So Absolutely. thank you. Okay, I want to shift. We've got a little bit more time. And like you said, you have recently entered retirement. Uh, Is it everything you thought it would be? Um,
2: It's it's wonderful.
1: But no, it's there. Yeah,
2: I, I, I knew without a doubt when we chose when I would retire. Um, I'd known about it a couple of years, maybe even 3 before I actually retired. Uh, my husband had retired several years earlier. We had thought about waiting till I was 66 but we he just one day said, "What do you think about 65?" you know? Mm-hmm. And I went, "You know, that sounds okay to me." And so we started looking to see, you know, was it possible and and um it was. It was almost as I know the Lord was in that. Although at the time it just sort of felt like we made that decision, um, and we began praying through the next couple of years and all of that. And when and that last year I was at Lifeway, it was as though the Lord. I mean, because I was beginning to think, you know, I've been here twenty something years. I I think my si- assignment here is about done. I feel like it. It needs new blood. Younger face. I mean, it was just you know several things. I just thought we've you know we've had a lot of fruit come from uh, the my time here, and I'm grateful that the Lord let me get to be a part of that and watch that. But I just felt like it was probably a time for me to start thinking about stepping away. It did not. I wasn't fearful of that uh, because I saw what happened at my church when I left there, a place that I never planned to leave. I had watched that baby be birthed, and I I didn't. Hmm think it was mine, but I still felt very protective of it. And I thought, who in the world will come in and really love this and love these women? And I watched God bring to to that position. I, I knew her. And, and so when mm-hmm. God called her that, I was like, oh, God, thank you. And I watched her do with that ministry, what I could have never done. And I just really felt like God moved me to Lifeway so that that church could go for a board. And so I learned a lesson in that and I felt the same way at Lifeway. I thought, Lord, I really believe it's time. And I, f- I know without a doubt, I can let go this time. I don't have to worry. I watch this baby be born again, but I don't yeah. have to worry. I feel like if God is moving me out, he's got somebody that's gonna take it to places I couldn't take it. Yeah. And so I I felt good that way. And uh, sure, there was some nostalgia at the end and all of that. But that last year I was at LifeWay, it was as though the Lord just confirmed everything. He gave me the most fabulous last year at LifeWay. Um, and I didn't have to move to a new building. I mean, you know, and of course, since then, uh, the president and, and vice president have both resigned. And I'm like, thank sure. you. I didn't yeah. have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, those have happened since my retirement. But even up mm-hmm. until then, it was just as though the Lord was saying, in, in ways he affirmed, this is the year, this is the time. He brought in Kelly King, and that was just like an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never, so, so when I was home, uh, starting in March of that, that next year, I, I was ready for this. We had a lot of things we wanted to do. We needed to do some remodeling at the house and all that. But a couple of things had taken me by surprise. And one of those is that there was a transition there was mm-hmm. a transition. And mm-hmm. I, even after two years, I still am dealing a little bit with that. When you've got a job that's very demanding, your schedules are set, you've got travel, at least every other week, if not more, I mean, it's just that you're on an agenda and a schedule all the time, you know what you're going to do, you know, where you're heading, you're, you know, and then you go to this open ended flexible time for the most mm-hmm. part I mean you know I have some things to do and I've some engagements to prepare for and those kind of things I have classes and things I teach at our church so I mean there's things I prepare for but it's nothing nothing right. like like what I I was doing before it feels almost a little bit about okay what's my purpose now, <laughs> you know, mm, how, what yeah. is the big drive, you know, and so you have to be ready for a transition in that purpose is ever bit as important. And it and the purpose doesn't become less than because you don't have that same schedule. Um, I'm grateful for more time to go to my grandkids school things and all of those things. I'm in town to be able to do those kinds of things more than I was before. I have time with my husband we didn't have before. But that's the other part of the transition. One of the things that neither of us anticipated, I blogged on this one, one time because I Mm -hmm. just was wanted to be very transparent because I wish somebody had kind of prepared me for that. We, once I retired and we had lots of time together, first of all, we thought we had to do everything together. Well, then we found out, no, we don't. (laughs) You don't have to do, you don't have to go every single place together. You know, you can't, but you don't have to. And and we, we started it was like two-year-olds you know And i'm like what is going on we have i mean we don't have a perfect marriage as nobody does we've been through our ups and downs and crises and all that but we have a strong marriage we've always enjoyed being together and all those mm-hmm. kind of things so we're like what is this and one day it's as though the lord just said to me chris you gotta understand you have never lived with him 24 7. in mm-hmm. all your years of marriage you have never spent 24 seven with this man. And I, I got to thinking, oh my gosh, that's true. In fact, there's nobody in my life I've done that with except my mom, the first five years of my life and my kids, the first five years of their life. I thought, mm-hmm. There's nobody else that you spend 24 seven with for the most part. And once I realized that we, uh, you know, and I told him, I said, I think I got this thing figured out. <laughs> At least the <laughs> why, maybe not the how we do this now, but the right. why, and right. it helped to know the why. So once we did that, we just began to, to to start making the adjustments we needed. Like I said, he'd been retired for several years. So he had his own life routine mm-hmm. here at home. Mm-hmm. Um, my coming home changed that. <laughs> so um, that's a big, just be prepared for a transition. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even if you know for sure that, that this is the right time like I did and, and got it blessed in that retirement and moved me out and I knew it was without a doubt what I was to do, there still will be a transition because your life just changes when yeah. you're letting something like that go and you're picking up something new that looks
1: different. Mm, that's so good. And it even has me, I mean, obviously we're not anywhere close to retirement, but a lot of what you're saying, um, even in reflection to just our current move, you know, in ministry positions and stuff. And I think some of these shifts that happen within our seasons and, um, the changes and our rhythms kind of changing up and stuff. Um, it really kind of placed a little bit of an identity crisis, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. I'm attached to these things and now those mm-hmm. things are no longer how exactly. I'm defined, you know? Um And so I'm wondering if that kind of parallels a bit, you know, and I would see mm-hmm. that maybe happening um, even within your own heart and soul that you were busy and you were meeting with a bunch of mm-hmm. women and kind yeah. of pushing through a cause. Yeah. And then all of that is still happening, mm-hmm. but it looks different, but you know, no- within nothing your church now. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so really can you do. maybe – talk through that a little bit? And just what did that identity look like? How did you work through that? Well, that I think that was the big part of it. You know,
2: mm. I, I'd had the same position for 22 years, you know, I just I'd never felt led to, to change, you know, to, to, to do another position at Lifeway. I just felt that was what God had called me there to do. So that was kind of that was a big part of my life. I mean, I spent mm. the majority of my life either at the office or on the road in that position. And I do think that's part of it. Um, I think what helped me the most is knowing it was time and that God had called that to to not be my main identity anymore. Mm, And I go back to what I said. And I said, I I would say this even in general, if we're not where we on a daily basis with the Lord asking his guidance and direction and asking him to give us the wisdom to navigate life, we can't make those transitions. Um, It's just That's the one thing that has held me to, you know, a steady spot, because no matter what was going on in my life, whether it was a family crisis, a huge loss, um, or ministry frustrations, or something that, that. failed it at work whatever it was the one thing that kept me is that God is still in control and Mm -hmm. and God has not allowed this for nothing and and whatever it is I can learn just like I said earlier I can learn more of who he is In fact, the desperate times in my life are the sweetest, and I know most followers of Christ would say that. You don't wish them on yourself, but oh my gosh, without them, we would not know how good he is. We would not know how faithful he is. And so those are the things, and I think I've experienced enough of those, even in this change in my life into retirement, to know God still had a plan and that mm-hmm. God was faithful and I'm much more quick to turn to that side of it away from what the heck is this to <laughs> but God. And, yeah, and he, he, he has this is not this doesn't take him by surprise and it's not an accident in my life and he's got a plan to use it. So I think just history with him has allowed me to get there more quickly than ever before. Uh, because the more you see His faithfulness, the more you go, "Yeah, God's got this." <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> this is hard, yeah. but, but He's got this too. And mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that about no matter what happens in the future, whether there's health issues or um, the next crisis or the whatever. I, I just I know who He is faithful, mm-hmm. and that is what helps us with any kind of life transition or work transition or you know anything you just got to go back to that which is why I say over and over again stay in the word if you're not in the word if you're not growing deeper you're not going to make it you
1: have to have that Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what sweet encouragement for all of us! I think it's so interesting, even in a transition to retirement, for a transition with a move, um, with leadership transitions. I mean, you can throw anything on the table of what you, like our listeners, may be experiencing, and over and over, it seek out God's faithfulness and trust Absolutely. Him and learn, <laughs> which is so hard for us, right? Like we just want to have it all put together and, and right. have learned it already, um, but it doesn't matter if you've been in leadership. For for an hour or for a hundred years, like he is developing and sanctifying you and showing you more of him. And that is what you get to overflow out into right. others as you lead them. And yeah. so I think it's yeah. a really good reminder for all of us um, that he, he is showing us that manna, you know, like we talked about before. So, well, Absolutely. Chris, I have learned so much from you and just appreciate one, your faithfulness. I mean, 22 years and you leading the way and so so many ways that so many of us coming behind you have benefited from. And so I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. I want to say thank you for your risk and your obedience. Um, I I think it's a pretty pointed uh, statement that we can say we would not be where we are if it were not for you and your work and your obedience. And so thank you so much for that. Thank you, you for your very example. very sweet to
2: say that. I just continue <laughs> to say, God, thank you that you even let me watch what was happening across the, the country with women Aww. these years. And I'm excited about the younger generations coming behind. I am. I, that's one reason I love my D group with young women. Yeah, I think it's in good hands. Yes, they need guidance and maturity, but oh my goodness, I have no concern um, over the future because I see women like you and others who have such a heart to continue to touch the lives of other women and help them grow to be all that God wants them to. So um, it's a joy for me to get to watch what's happening now.
1: I hope you see that. I hope you see Mm -hmm. just God continuing your um, legacy and your work Mm -hmm. and your mission. um, Because I can personally say I would not be where I am today if it weren't for you. And so um, just a really heartfelt thank you. Um, And we hope that you continue to navigate this retirement season. And excited to see how the Lord is going to continue to use you as you pour into women um, now a little bit more, you know, openly and all of that. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, right less scheduled at least exactly Um. thank you for what you're
2: doing to to set to work with this network i'm so excited about the sbc women's network
1: oh well thank you well again i appreciate your time we want to always say thank you to the csb our official sponsors i hope that you can go and check out some of the resources that they have available and um we hope that you will join us again next week for another conversation of women and leadership in the sbc have a great day
0: You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in Kingdom Mission. Thanks for listening.